Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Thank you, church. You can grab your seats. As you do that, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. <laughs> Laughter on the front row. <laughs> God, I just thank you for your presence here. I thank you that it transforms us, God. There's nothing quite like you. <laughs> There is nothing like you, Lord, nothing that can even get close to imitating what you're able to do in our lives, God. When it's you and us, it's how it's meant to be, Father. And I just pray that you'd come and transform us, come and make a difference in our life, God. Would you just come and um, better us, refine us this morning? Show us your goodness, God. Give us your truth. Give us your impacting word, Father, and let it um, refine us, light a fire within us, God, and help it to fan into flame the faith that we've been given, God, this gift that we've been given that's been passed on to us, Father. May we just be such good stewards of our faith, of our minds, and of our bodies, God. Thank you, Father. We honor you this morning. We honor your church, God. We honor your word, Father. And we just set it above all else, God, because you are our number one priority. You matter most to us, God. And so let that just be written on our hearts that you matter most to us. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, God. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Oh, I love Sundays. I love Sundays. I encourage you, if Sunday is, um, I don't know, a crazy day, if, you, if it's, you know, come here, get out of here, do that, do this, we've got to wash the car, we've got to mow the lawn, all of that, I just um, encourage you, let it be more sacred than that. Let church be the center Give yourself time to think about what we've, what's happened here. Like we need time to be able to meditate on um, what's taken place here. I know you've got busy lives. I'm definitely aware of that and I honour your time and God does too. But um, yeah, I encourage you, give yourself space to let this marinate. Um, let, let our worship, <laughs> let the word marinate um, on your Sunday, but hey, set aside time throughout the week as well. If that's just a big no-go, Chelsea can't do it, then set aside some time somewhere else. Sound good? Great. My message refused to print today. Like I, yeah, anyone that knows my dad knows that he um, has a track record with things not printing, especially when, you know, and I was, you know, I was, I was trying to print it and then I gave myself some space and then I, I went into the other room and I felt like just a good middle-aged man being like, it's a printer. If a printer doesn't print, what is it? <laughs> it's, an, it's a paperweight, a, a dumb paperweight that's obnoxiously big, right? So I'm just standing there like, you're a printer. Anyway, must mean it's a good message, right? <laughs> Refuses to print. Oh, as you can hear, I have caught the the nice husky voice. So uh, let it let it bring a new level of impact. Yes, um, I've just been loving the messages that have been coming out of church lately. I um, was sharing with our creative team a few weeks ago 
um, how I loved, mum made that statement a few weeks ago that uh, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. That is not our part-time job to sometimes experience the spiritual. We're actually spiritual beings. It sounds, look, if you, if you approach this statement with like, oh, that's a bit new agey, uh, just ask God if it is. Um, we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience right now because this isn't all we're made to do. This is, a, this is part of what we're made to do. I'm not, um, we're not minimizing our earthly experience because God purposely put us here. We're not waiting for heaven and, and just sitting around what's happening, Lord, like, oh, I just can't wait to get to heaven. Uh, <laughs> like, that. obviously this matters. <laughs> um, it, it does, and the way we do it matters. Not just, not just what we do, not, oh, I'm here, I'm here because f- God's put me here for a purpose, like, you're better get saved. Um, how we do that matters as well, not just what we do. Um, so I just, I've loved this freedom that this statement has brought to my life because I'm like you know what (laughs) I'm a spiritual being having an earthly experience I'm not made to work I'm not made to clean I'm not made to you know I'm not made to be enslaved to the rat race I'm not enslaved to emails not enslaved to any pay slip none of that that is not the basis (laughs) of my existence it's part of my existence but it comes under my purpose which is in God and it's not my identity either it's part of what I do but it's not who I am and so I've just loved that I've loved the work-life balance that it's brought into my life of just being like it's it's not who I am and it's not what I'm here for work is part of it and I get to honor God with the way I choose to work but it's not the be-all and end-all. And I love that. Oh, Right, so um, I'm here today because uh, mum encouraged me. We were at Tuesday morning prayer one day and I, I saw this picture and then afterwards mum said, Chelsea, you should speak about that. And so then I had the responsibility to just dive a little bit deeper and sort of unpack um, this picture that I saw. So we were praying on a Tuesday morning and I saw a picture just you know, as I had my eyes closed, um, some of you would have experienced this before, but I saw two hands holding a big chunk of meat, like fleshy, like very dark in colour, very rich in colour, and the hands were gripping it, trying to twist it and tear it apart, Um, and, and that's it, that's all I saw, and so I was praying about this on Tuesday morning, but I've been praying about it since, just asking God, what does this represent? Um, And for those of you that know the word, you know that um, the Bible talks a lot about flesh and what flesh is and what it resembles in our life. Um, And for those of you that that don't know, flesh in the Bible, when it's talked about, is explaining our human nature, our carnal nature, our earthly nature. But usually um, in in the language of the Bible, it's our nature apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. Um, So we're humans, right? That's how God made us. Sometimes I have to remind myself, we aren't some species that God discovered and and decided to save. He made us. He formed us like this on purpose. And I think sometimes we're so disgusted 
by flesh that God actually made. Um, God intended us to have a heart, to have feelings, emotions, a mind that's capable of so much, capable of evil, yes, but capable of so much when we make it subject to him. And so he didn't stumble upon us and say, oh, look at them, like they're in ruins. I better save them from themselves. No, he made us to be connected with him. And I'm going to say he made us really, really well. He, he made us perfect perfectly and what we become disgusted with is uh, what happens to humans when they're left to their own devices without God and we're just not meant to be like that so it makes sense that the uh, the opposite path without God leads to death and destruction not just for yourself for everyone else around you and so we were made for him so um, this picture of of the hands gripping the flesh, trying to deal with the flesh, tear it apart, make something of it. Um, reminded me of this one verse in, in Hebrews, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, I just love that God made us like this on purpose. And so I just wanted to um, just dive into that a little bit this morning. In Romans 7, Paul is... Um, explaining his experience between the flesh nature or the the sin desire nature in him and the spirit desiring nature so we've got these two parts God's make made us with you know our human nature but we've also got this spirit nature and so Paul is like so uh vulnerable in explaining you know I'm trying to do this I'm trying to do the good thing but the more I try the worse I'm doing it I'm trying to do the good thing and I just keep doing the bad thing. Um, In verse 18, it says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And I think we've all probably been in that place. And it's because we have something in us that desires to do what God intends for us to do. We want to do good. We want to be a good person that can give, that can do good to others. And if we are far from that place, it's probably because you know, some kind of brokenness or fracturing has happened in our lives that we're now in self-preservation mode. But at the core of who we are, we desire to do good. But this is a godly desire. And so it requires God to carry it out to fulfillment. And so Paul is experiencing or has experienced the attempt to do this God-level good without God. And This kind of attempts, this kind of doing it over and over again will only lead to bad things because it's a God-shaped hole in our life that only God can can help us fulfill in our lives. And the more we do it in our own strength, the Bible talks about, um, you know, the further and further like into the hole we're digging because we're trying to do a God-sized thing in human-sized strength. Um, and that he did that on purpose. He did it on purpose that we wouldn't be able to achieve the things that we, that we long for, that are the core of who we are, without him. He doesn't want us to do it without him because he's made us for this relationship with him. And so that's the picture of these two hands. It's flesh trying to make something out of flesh. Um, but we need the spiritual, we need our father to be involved in the process And so in verse 24 and 25 of Romans 7, Paul concludes, what a wretched man I am. 
like, we'll probably all get to a place like that. He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? The more good I'm trying to do, the worse I'm doing. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's the uniting of flesh with spirit in that moment saying, God, this flesh was made for you, not to be manipulated um, by myself or by others, but it was made for you. Um, So this is, now we'll look at Hebrews, right? And the last time I spoke, um, I shared the scripture just before this, which is talking about the rest that God made available to the Israelites, but they failed to enter it. And it says, you know, there's still a Sabbath rest that remains. There's still this rest in God that we can't um, make happen on our own. We can't imagine there is a rest that awaits us. And I think that's so true of us today. We're in a very fast-paced world, but there is a a rest in God that we are yet to experience um, and strive for. It actually uses the word, you know, making every effort to enter that rest, we have the responsibility. So with that in mind, with that context, we'll go on to the next part. So Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, and I love this. If you don't know this scripture, get ready because you're about to hear it for the first time and it's going to be powerful. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This scripture speaks of the sovereignty of God and I think it deserves some of our fear reserve, right? We've been given this ability to fear (laughs) and it's not for man, it's for God. The ability that God has to see us to a depth that no one else has should scare us a little bit. He is able to see every intent, every attitude of the heart and the mind. Nothing in all creation is hidden from him. It's all laid bare before him and and that scares me a little bit but at the same time I think at the core of who we are we desire to be fully known and fully loved and that's what God does for us he knows us completely there is nothing hidden from his sight and he loves us no matter what he sees no matter what is at the the very depth at the very core Um, He loves what he sees. If I'm speaking a little bit loud, it's because I just can't fully hear myself super well. Am I right? Cool. It's my ears. It's like that weird echo thing happening. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah? Is that like, you might already know that, but we're just going to, we're going to try and look for something you don't know. Is that okay? Um, Or, or maybe you do know what, know it like dad was saying today maybe it's part of your knowledge but we're going to look for some understanding or some wisdom to add to it Um, because we're going to pretend today that we're not perfect (laughs) we're going to pretend today that we're a work in progress that our our spiritual walk with God is not complete there's still things for us to learn there's still things for us to um, have revealed be revealed to us 
Does that sound good? Like, we came to church for a reason, um, and it wasn't just, yeah, so we'd look like good Christians. Should never be any objective. Ever, ever, ever. I think the more we try and look like good Christians, the more we'll relate to Romans 7. We'll be like, oh, the more I thought I was good at it, the worse I was at it. Uh, but that's without God. That's that's what it's like without God. He's so needed in the process. Um, so let's dive into this scripture. Um, we're looking at still looking at Hebrews four. So the word of God is alive and active. It's powerful and it's effectual. It is necessary for us. Absolutely necessary for us. Um, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is not a sword. It's just a picture that's being used. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, which means it's sharper than any sword. Um, it's sharper than anything. I think maybe a double-edged sword was like the sharpest thing they had back then. Yeah, it's pretty sharp still, even by today's standards. Um, so what it's able to do is precise, it's decisive, and it's effective. Um, in, the, in the language in your blue letter Bible, if you look it up using the app or the, or the website, if you want like a little tool for your Bible study, um, check out blue letter Bible. So this word sharper, um, when you unpack it, it means that it is more comprehensive or decisive than, is, than as if by a single blow. So it's not just one cut, but it is. It's not like a single stroke has been taken. It actually more so implies repeated blows or a hacking. Yeah, I know. It's, it's graphic imagery. <laughs> Ezra with the sound effects. Um, so what God is able to do with a single cut is like if someone has been hacking at it for a while, but it's still precise. As powerful as multiple blows, but as precise as just one. And a sharp knife, if who's, who's like a knife sharpener in their house? I know my dad is. I, I'll tell this story again. I've told it many times. One time after surgery, dad's surgery, I came home to check on him and, and see how he was. So he was in his bedroom and I walked in and he was laying on the bed sharpening knives. It's, it's a little out of character, but not entirely, right? You could often find dad sharpening the knives, just not usually on his bed laying down. And I said, I walked in and I was like, hey, dad. And more so in regards to the surgery, I just said, are you okay? And he just looked at me and said, do I look okay? And that was the exchange we had. I probably just laughed. I don't know. Anyway, so sharp knives matter in our house, in dad's house. Um, but to God, a, sh a sharp knife matters because a blunt knife makes a mess. Um, but God likes to keep his word sharp. Um, he likes to keep it effective. And if anyone's ever cut themselves with a nice, sharp knife, chances are there's going to be blood everywhere before you realize that you've cut yourself. 
because a sharp knife makes an incision that barely disrupts anything, but the cut happens without you knowing sometimes. Uh, we had a dog once that cut herself open on this corrugated fence, and we're like, oh, something's on her chest, and she rolled over and just laid bare like this beautiful incision that she'd made, and sh she just like had no idea that she'd cut herself open. Um, that's a that's a bad thing, but um, it <laughs> it wasn't very sharp. No, it made a haggard mess. Um, but the beautiful thing, <laughs> I'm trying to get back to what I'm trying to say. The beautiful thing about God is that he, he knows what needs to be removed in our lives. And we need the word of God to be sharp so that those things can be remo removed precisely and with such definition that only the hand of our beautiful father can do and to carry out. So the word of God then must hold these profound truths and promises that can do something at the very core of who we are that nothing else can do. It must be able to shave away trauma. It must be able to shave away pain and hurt that has been allowed to grow and, and prosper in our lives. The Word of God must hold something in it that makes a difference that, that nothing else could achieve. God must have said something that holds truth for us that we couldn't find anywhere else. There must be something. There must be secrets hidden layer upon layer for us to look for, dive deep for, go digging for. There must be something in there that maybe we haven't discovered yet. I know that there's people in this room that the Word of God has come through for you in the darkest hour, in, in, in deep times of depression, in times where you've thought that there's nothing else to live for, and yet you've found a scripture, God has spoken to you by His Word, you've opened up the pages, or He's spoken to you through a dream, um, or you've heard the audible voice of God, and it has brought a, a kind of remedy, or solution, or just comfort in a time of deep need. And this is what the Word of God can do. This is the power of the Word of God in our lives. And so Dad said it this morning from James, do not merely listen to the Word. Do what it says. Like grab it and apply it to your life. I sometimes I, because um, I make calendars each year, I go looking for like inspirational quotes to give people. And to be honest, they're so flimsy and like just watered down versions of the power of God. Like, you know, I can't even think of one because I just, I don't care to store it in my mind because the world just, the world's measure of hope is, is so limited. The world's measure of like, keep going because if, if you keep working hard, you'll, you'll get the things. And that's pretty much all you've got out there, right? Oh, if you keep working the hours, you'll make a reasonable hourly rate. And that's all you've got. And the government will tax your superannuation. Like, woo! So exciting. <laughs> you know, it's like, I understand why people like, nihilism is the idea that there's no purpose behind anything. And I, without God... 100% makes sense. 
You know, what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Without God, what is, what is the point? Because by the sweat of your brow, you'll work and, and you'll die one day. That's it. <laughs> anyway, I'm not trying to sound really depressing, but I just don't know how you do it without God, without the promises of God, without the hope of God. Because lately I've been, you know, like through with work and Zach and I are renovating a house. I realized that there was a, a mindset that was creeping in that said, everything's hard and it always will be. And that's such a lie. That's such a reality without God. And I have God. I have God. And, you know, in times like that where everything feels hard and you feel like you'll never get a reprieve, you'll never find relief from that. Um, like we need the promises of God because joy is a real thing. His eternal love is a real thing. Like the hope that we find in who he is and, and the hope in his name is a real thing that we get to access. And we're not kidding ourselves. Uh, these are promises from the God that understands, has created everything. And so these things that he promises to us are more real than our reality. They hold a greater weight than our struggle. And it's not that we're trying to convince ourselves that it's true. It's that we must believe that it is true and let that belief create an acquisition that we're daily adding to our life, the truth and the promises of God. Thank you. I learned the word acquisition in business class. <laughs> I love that the word of God illuminates things like there's this powerful psalm, Psalm 139, that says, even if I make my bed in hell, even if I've brought my blankie and my pillow, and I'm like, the worst of the worst, this is where I want to live, God says, I'm going to be there with you in that even. Even if you've decided I'm going to live here in the pits, in the worst, devoid of all hope, happiness, and joy, God will go with you there. Because he can and because he wants to. But even that darkness is as light to him. Because where he goes, he brings his light. He brings his illumination. And I'm sorry, but he loves you that much that even in the darkest place that you choose, he'll choose to come with you and there will be a light with you even when you choose the darkness. His light will be with you. I love it. I love that the Holy Spirit isn't afraid to go to the nitty-gritty places with us. If we choose the mire and the clay, he will be with us. He will be with us. And he gets between that, that sharpness. It gets between, like if you think about separating <laughs> joint and marrow, that's, you know, the outside being separated from what's inside. He carves out. He's able to do that define and beautiful work. It helps us to distinguish the godly things from the ungodly things. You know, search me, O oh God. Reveal in me what I can do away with and what I can hold on to. Um, that scripture that you've shared before, Dad, about, 
you know, the things that can be shaken will be shaken because the kingdom that we serve is an unshakable kingdom. And so there's things that when we um, allow that acquisition to happen, there's things that can be built in our lives that when the shaking comes, we'll find that those things cannot be shaken. You know, the shaking comes, the storm comes, and it passes and you're left with these truths, this foundation like we were seeing this morning that cannot be shaken. These beautiful, um, profound and eternal things of God. If we fill up on what the earth has for us, you know, money, insurance, (laughs) security, (laughs) then the storm might come and, and wipe all of that out and we're left asking, well, what's left? But when we, um, when our foundation is in the Lord, we have things left over um, when the storm comes. I remember, so we had a tenant in our house and I remember looking up the policy and realizing that <laughs> I'd bought this stupid policy. <laughs> The insurance policy that didn't protect us from anything the tenant did to the house. So it was essentially just like, oh, if someone else, yeah, it felt really useless. If someone else comes along and smashes your windows, all good, we got you covered. But if they decide to do anything, so I remember laying awake in bed one night and just thinking, I wonder if the house is on fire. And just being like, you know, just imagining it burning to the ground, being like, not covered. And it just realize, yeah, I don't know, just realizing you're making these monthly payments and, and what is it covering me for? Like a, a really random attack or natural disaster. But anyway, if you knew anything about the tenant, it, I was most worried about what they were going to do to the house. And so I was like, don't think about it, Chelsea. Like you might put the thought in their head. I don't, anyway, um, <laughs> no, that's silly. Um, Right, and in that moment, I I had to come to the conclusion, if the house burns down, am I okay? (laughs) You know, that's something that can be taken away from me. Am I okay? And I was like, you know what? And, you know, something as stupid as imagining your house burning down, it's nice to um, allow God to speak into those situations and just realize, you know what, God, even if that does happen, even if the worst of the worst comes, you've you've still got me. I know that I'm in your hands. You're my provider. You're my protector. Um, please protect the house. But even if even if something happens, it's going to be all right. Um, oh, and, and that house did not burn down. Amen. <laughs> Didn't happen. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, insurance. <laughs> Welcome to, the, yeah. No insurance in heaven. Woo. So, yeah, where am I going? Good question. Um, The hidden things in us are not hidden from God. And, okay, so we're on this path. We're pretending that we're not perfect today. Um, Perhaps there are things in us that God wants to deal with. Are we letting him? Are we bringing them before him? Are we doing the work? Are we asking the question, God, is there anything in me that doesn't need to be there. And if so, God, am I holding on to it really tightly? Am I holding on to hurt? Am I holding on to things of my past? Am I holding on to things that 
I think that you're going to take away from me? Am I holding on to things that I've decided somewhere are more important than you? Will you show me, God? Will you reveal these things to me and show me, help me by your word um, for these things to be taken away? Because we must invite him into this process. We can't make ourselves perfect. Like I was imagining trying to make a chunk of meat look like pretty and neat. Um, It doesn't really happen, right? So we can't dress it up. We can't prop it up and make it look like something that it's not. It's always going to be a chunk of me. Our flesh is always going to be our flesh. But God is, God always has a purpose for it. And he has a purpose for our, our lives. And he has a purpose for our flesh. So quickly, I just want to look at why, why God wants to cut these things. So we're just going to go to John 15. I love this scripture, and that's why you've heard me say it before, (laughs) look at it before. So John 15, verses 1 to 5, and then verse 8. I love this. This is our reality. Jesus is speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So he's, he's the vine, and we're the branches. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, or he makes clean, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, the word that Jesus has spoken. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No flesh can produce anything lasting by flesh alone. It must remain in the vine. Stay plugged into the the life source. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then going down to verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How good. So he's, he's not just cutting for the sake of cutting. He knows how we are to grow. Um, just like anyone in this room that's ever pruned a tree or pruned a plant before, you know that it's for the betterment of the plant that you prune. You know that it's for its growth. You know that it's for the fruit that you prune. Um, and so the Father does the same with us. He looks at our lives. He reveals the things that he can cut away. um, And it is the plant's responsibility to say, I trust you to know what you're doing, that I don't have to do it, that you will do it, and that you know what you're doing and that it's for my good. And what is our life if not for his glory? If we go, if we forego the pruning, we forego the remaining in the vine. If we forego... being helped or refined by the gardener, we go without the life source that is being plugged into Jesus. And I don't want to do that. If, if remaining in him comes with some pruning, that's the path I want to choose. It's not the easy path. It's not the luxurious path. But it's the life and the path where I get to trust in God as my gardener. And that's the good life. <laughs> that is the good life. In Matthew 19, that, that rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he's looking for a way by his own merit that he can make it to heaven. 
And he's used to this way of life, right, of being able to buy his way into something, probably buys his way into the parties, buys affection from people, buys his friendships. He's used to being able to get what he wants by his own means. And Jesus says to him, if you really want to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to sell everything that you've got and then come follow me. And he leaves sad because he's not willing to part with his own means to trust something that he doesn't know. And so Jesus says in verse 24, speaking of this rich young ruler, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then the disciples are like, oh, dang, um, who, who can be saved then? They're, they're all trying to imagine a camel fitting through the eye of a needle. Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. By the flesh, it's impossible. Flesh trying to manipulate flesh to enter something spiritual is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So we need him. <laughs> we need him. And not just in our times of need, not just when it sounds good that maybe he'll, you know, come through for me, give me a solution for work, give me the money that I need for this. It's that life abiding with him it's I'm in for all of it God I'm in for all of it I'm not just here for you to make me feel better um, when I ask you to I'm here for the day in day out prune me show me the things in my life that I need to do away with and every time you ask me I'm going to respond I'm going to be obedient I want the discipline but also all of the rewards and the promises that come from this path. Salvation doesn't work part-time. Sanctification can't happen part-time. We can't become clean by getting dirty in all of the other days. Or if we do, <laughs> I'm not trying to confuse you, I promise. We need our Savior Jesus for this whole thing to work. I was even thinking about it this morning. I was like, I wouldn't want to try church part-time, to be honest. I want to know what it's like. I want to know the impact that it has on my life to be here every single Sunday where I can be, you know. I don't, I don't want to know what a life with God looks like on Wednesdays and Fridays and maybe Sundays. I want to know what this life looks like. I want to know the impact that God can have in my life if I'm grabbing his word like it's my life, if I am, you know, devoting myself to prayer and doing this as a daily walk, the more I'm able to put in, the more I'm able to get out. And that's just the goodness of God. That's what he has for us. So if his word is alive and active, I think it serves to, to prune us to reveal things in us, to illuminate things in us, to make us alive and active. Because that is so much better than the alternative of being dead and unmoving. <laughs> dead and lazy, dormant and unable to lift a finger. <laughs> a dead printer. <laughs> if you can stand with me this morning, would you stand? <laughs> you can stand great 
I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just attend to us this morning from what we've heard, from what we've discovered about him, about his word, um, and just invite him to come and attend to us, to come and minister to us. So Holy Spirit, and if you'd just like to lift your hands, you know, just fixate your eyes on him. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, today we just choose to recognize again its significance and its power, not just to our faith, but to our lives as a whole, God. Would you come and search us, Lord? Come and know us. Reveal the things in our lives, God, that don't need to remain anymore, that we've given life to and we've allowed to grow, maybe with our permission or without. Lord, I just pray that you'd come and show us the things that you want to take away, the things that you want to just carve away from us to refine our lives so that there are unshakable things that are the bedrock, the core of who we are. Lord, and even if we've made our bed in hell, I thank you that you are right here with us. This darkness that we may be experiencing, God, it is as light to you. So come illuminate, Father. Come and do what only you can do. I thank you that it's your promise that you keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you. So this morning, Lord, would you help us for our minds to be stayed on you. Help our minds to remain fixed on you like we're not breaking eye contact with the promises that you have for us. God, our hearts are so set on your promises. Our hearts are so set on your goodness, your grace. Lord, the good that you have for us. And I just pray for anyone in this room that has just been tormented by this, um, the weight of things being hard and always being hard. God, I pray that your joy would just come and replace that life, Father. We uproot that lie in the name of Jesus and instead, God, let your peace come. I thank you that when we're in the realm of the Spirit, it's life and peace to our mortal bodies. God, you make alive our mortal bodies. So those experiencing death right now, Father, would you come and make alive their mortal bodies? Come re-enliven, God. Come resuscitate our spirits, God. Thank you, Father. Come do what only you can do. Come do what only your Word can do, Father. It's alive and active. And so we just invite it right now to come separate the ungodly from the godly. Come separate the deceit from the truth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's always just freedom in you, Lord. There's always freedom in you, God. So we just choose your promises. And I just pray, Lord, that in this next week or in the months to come, God, as people um, spend time in your word, that they are just going to receive um, just some unshakable truths to stand on for their situations that they're facing, God. And I just thank you and I praise you in advance, God, for what that is going to bring in their lives, what that's going to bring in our lives, God, and how it's just going to reinvigorate and revive us, Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit desiring to just bring relief from baggage that people have been carrying, the weight being lifted. If you're just desiring a relief, a reprieve, just a breather from the weight, just lift your hands. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come move. Come show us the way, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. 
We can't find it anywhere else, God, only here with you. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. And we just do away with every other thing we've been leaning on, God, and we just choose to lean on you. We will wait on you. Those who trust in the Lord will have their strength renewed. You're renewing our strength, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.